0: You booked the job, awesome, congrats. But what's the offer? That's your first question, right? What is the money? What are the details? Because now it is time to negotiate the contract. But most people get this step wrong and they only negotiate the money. And so they're missing out on a ton of other things that they could be negotiating. Even worse, if the money is non-negotiable, you might think you're just out of luck and you have to accept the contract as is, but that is so not the case. So today we're gonna talk about 30 other things you can negotiate besides the money. And even if you have an agent who negotiates on your behalf, it's still helpful for you to know everything you have at your disposal that you can leverage. And that way you can better inform your agent where to push and pull as they're doing the negotiations. This way you end up with the best contract that's possible for you. Hey there, welcome to Theatre Life Uncensored, where we peel back the curtain and reveal to you what's really working in today's industry for theatre artists just like you. That means you get to hear and learn how to surpass your career goals sooner, and enjoy an easier, more peaceful life along the way. I'm your host, Jim Cooney, a New York City-based director-choreographer, and I'm also the founder of Amplified Artists, a membership community for theatre professionals from performers to producers and everyone in between, helping you create a career and life you love. So I am so excited for this episode today because no one teaches us how to negotiate contracts. It's not something we learn in school. So how are we supposed to learn this? Where do we go? Well, now you have this podcast episode that's going to show you these 30 things, and you can refer back to this at any time that you need it. But even better, I know most of you either are listening to this or watching this while you're on the go, so you're not able to like jot these things down in your phone or write them down with pen and paper, So I've got you covered here. I've put together a resource that you can download that's going to give you all 30 of these things. It's just a cheat sheet that lists them all for you. And you can get a free copy of this just by going to jimcooney.me forward slash contract perks. And I've also put that link in the show notes. So you just click on that link, go to this page on my website. It has all the information about this episode and you will see there how you can download a free copy of this resource. And again, that's jimcooney.me forward slash contract dash perks, or just click the link that's in the show notes, either in your podcast app or below this video, if you're watching it on YouTube. Now, before we dive into this episode, two quick things for you. First, if you don't want to miss any episodes of the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. So you are the very first to know when the next episode is released. And while you are there, I'd be so very grateful if you could give the podcast a five-star rating and leave a positive review. That helps a podcast platform suggest this show to other people working in our industry, and it helps them find out about this podcast so it can help them like it helps you. And two, are we connected on social media? If not, let's fix that. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Jim Cooney NYC. Come on over and say hello. All right. So let's begin our conversation here. Let's just start by talking about what a contract even is. It's just a legal document between two parties with terms and conditions that protect both of you. And so the idea of negotiating is for you to both walk away from this negotiation and feel like you have everything in the contract that gives you protection, where you are being treated fairly and that you are benefiting from this arrangement. That's what both parties should walk away feeling. Now you know that this theater or venue or producer or whoever it may be is gonna make sure that all of their needs are being met. And so your job is to make sure that all of your needs are being met and that you are being treated fairly And that you have the protections in place that you would like. Now, some of these bigger, broader things are already covered by the unions if you're a member of one of those. But regardless if you're a union member or not, at the end of the day, you are an individual. So your needs and preferences and desires, those are specific just to you. Something that I might want in my contract that's important to me might not mean anything to you. And you're going to have different things in your contract that are important to you that they don't matter to me. So as you're going through the negotiations, you might see things that are in the offer that don't really matter for you. And so you'd be happy to trade those things for other things that are more important for you. Because remember, this is a negotiation. This is a compromise. And so it's this trading things in and out. That's how we do it to get to the contract that is going to be best for you. Not just a good contract in general, but specific to the things that are important to you. Now, while we're here talking about this, I want to mention a big no-no, and that is asking for things or trying to negotiate things that they have already been upfront about. And so what you're asking is going against that. For example, if they say the salary is a certain rate and then you come in and ask for more money, or if they say that it has to be a local hire, but then you come in and asking for housing. The reason why they're putting those things in the casting notice is to set the expectations. And they're doing that out of respect so you don't waste your time and energy and money preparing for an audition or submitting yourself or going through all that motion If this is going to be a deal breaker for you. So they are being respectful by telling you that upfront. And so you need to be respectful back and honor that. Okay. Now, if there is something in there, like in the casting notice or the job breakdown that you don't know what that means, that's also not an excuse. You have to look it up and know what it is because if you walk in that door or you submit yourself and send your materials in or pitch yourself or however you're going to try to get that job, they're assuming that you are okay with everything that's already been stated. So. Make sure you understand the terms and conditions that they're already providing before you apply in whatever manner it is that you would be applying. Now, one of the things that people see in these casting notices and they don't fully understand and get them in trouble is when it says it's favored nations and favored nations. If you don't know, that means everyone is treated equally. Everyone receives the same pay. So if there are any terms that you don't recognize or understand, please make sure that you look those up and you know ahead of time what you are getting yourself into. Now, there will be some of those things you find out ahead of time, but most of the things we won't find out until we receive the job offer. So the very first question you want to ask yourself is, do I even want to do this job? And again, you might know that ahead of time if they put certain things in the casting breakdown or in the job notice, but most of the times you're not going to know the answer to that question until you receive the full offer. So then how do you know if this is a job that you want to accept? Well, most people, myself included, use what they call the quote unquote two out of three method where a job has to meet two of these three following criteria. The first one is it has to be creatively fulfilling. It has to bring you artistic joy. It has to be something that you want to do that you're passionate about as an artist Two, it has to pay you well. And this is subjective. So does it pay you what you think you should be getting paid, what you're worth, what you need to live on and survive? And the third one is, is it moving your career forward? Is it giving you a title or a show or a credit uh, you know, a venue, something on your resume that's going to increase your career potential and, and help grow your career? Are you building a relationship with someone you want to uh, build that with, with a venue, a producer, someone on the creative team? But there has to be some sort of career incentive. That is what the third criteria is. So again, first is creatively fulfilling. Second is paying you well. And three, it has some sort of career incentive. And the idea is if it meets two out of those, at least two out of those, then yes, this is a job that you will enjoy doing because it's very rare that it does meet all three. It can happen, but that is rare. But as long as it's two out of the three, it's gonna be something that you will enjoy and be worth your time and energy. But even though that method works really, really well, there may be other factors you want to consider too. So for example, let's say you get hired and the venue is just outside of New York City. So you could still be coming in to audition, You could still be coming in to see your partner or your friends or your family. That might be a good enough perk for you that maybe you only need it to be one out of those three criteria because the fact that you can just still be here close to New York, that is really important to you. Being close to New York, that kind of outweighs everything else. So what I do and what I always encourage other people to do is to find your bottom line for this job. What is the lowest amount of creative fulfillment, pay, and career incentive you're willing to accept? before you walk away, because that way you have a benchmark now for your negotiations. And by the way, a little tip for me to you is to start higher or bigger than what your benchmark is, because remember, these are negotiations you're going to compromise. And so if you start big and you compromise down to the middle, that's going to be more in line with where your benchmark is. Otherwise, if you start at your benchmark and you compromise down from there you're going to end up with something lower or smaller than your benchmark, and you're not going to be happy about this. It won't be a contract you want to accept. Now, this idea of having a bottom line, this also helps you before you even get the offer. It helps you before you even know if you want to audition or not, because like I said, they may put some things in the casting notice or the job breakdown, but you might be able to tell just from the venue, the show that they're doing, what roles are being auditioned for, or what roles are available, or what positions are available if you're on the creative team, or you might see who the creative team is. Like there's all these other factors where you could see ahead of time, like this is not going to meet the bottom line for at least two out of my three criteria. So I'm just going to not pursue this, right? And so it saves you a lot of time and energy this way. So regardless of if you have an offer in your purview at this current moment or not, I would still figure out for yourself, what is your bottom line for those three criteria? Again, your creative fulfillment, the pay, and the career incentive. Just have an idea of that, and it's going to help you with your decision-making all around as you move forward in your career. Now, one last thing before we get to the 30 things that you can negotiate, and this is a very big, important thing, maybe the most important thing of this whole episode, is if you sign the contract, right, if you get the job and you get the contract and you sign it, you are saying you are 100% happy with everything in that contract. So you do not want to sign something until you are at that point, because if you sign a contract and then later you're unhappy about something in the contract and you try to change it, or you're unhappy about something in the contract and you just become bitter about it, neither of those two things are a good look for you in front of the producers and artistic directors. And I have to say, even as someone on the creative team, if we have someone in the room who doesn't want to do something that they have already agreed to in their contract and or they're bitter about having to do something that's in their contract. It's also not a good look in front of us and it doesn't make us want to work with you because you come across unprofessional. So before you sign that contract, make sure you have fully read everything. You fully agree to everything. You fully accept everything. You fully understand everything. If there's something you don't understand, look that up, right? You want to make sure you are fully happy before you go ahead and sign your name on this. And this all applies to things that either may or may not happen too. So for example, don't be so optimistic. If you think like, let's say you are a cover and you're like, oh, I'll probably get to go on. Well, if it's not in your contract, you can't be mad. If you never get to go on for that role. If it's important to you to go on, you need to get that put into your contract. Don't just be optimistic though. It's probably going to happen, right? There's no guarantee that's going to happen. Likewise, it might be something where you're like asked to do a split track or cover multiple people if a certain number of people are out of the show. Don't just assume like, okay, well, that's not going to happen because it may. And if it does happen and you have to do that, you can't be upset about it or bitter or refuse to do it because you have agreed to that. So again, read everything in the contract. Don't assume it's going to be a best case scenario or a worst case scenario. Just make sure everything is spelled out as is. And if these best or worst case scenarios do or do not happen, you are still 100% fully okay. All right. This is something super important that you fully understand and agree to everything in your contract or you do not sign it. It'll be better for you to walk away from a contract than for you to do something and be bitter or to uh, breach the contract by not doing something that you said you were going to do, where you end up burning a bunch of bridges. That is not worth it. Even if it's something you think right now is just like a small thing that doesn't matter to you. And it just kind of bothers you a tiny bit as this contract goes on, that is going to fester inside you until it does really bother you. So take care of that ahead of time. Make sure that you are fully ready to go so you can be hundred percent professional the entire time throughout the contract. Again, that is so important. All right. So now that we have all the nuts and bolts covered, and we talked about how this negotiation process kind of works here and how you decide what's going to be important for you and whatnot. Let's talk about these 30 things. And this is a list we actually compiled in a town hall and amplified artists. And these town halls, these are just moderated discussions. They're not recorded so people can speak freely and confidentially because we pick a different topic for each one. And sometimes there are things that are personal issues. And so people want to be vulnerable and be able to share or vent or complain. So again, these aren't recorded. But other times we talk about topics such as this, like negotiating your contracts. And the idea with these are, is that it's such a good win-win for everyone involved because you get to share what's working for you. And that way you get to also hear from other people on what's working for them. And so you get to walk away learning a lot from your peers. And inside Amplified Arts, we have everyone. We have performers, we have producers, we have writers, directors, choreographers, musicians. And so you get to hear from all these different areas of the industry. And there's some things that cross over between different departments that you maybe hadn't thought about, all right? So that is why we do these town halls. I love the town halls. They're actually... A lot of our members say it's their favorite part about being a member of Amplified Artists because they get to learn and grow so much from these. So this list is actually a list of 30 things that we compiled as our own community that we have all negotiated on behalf of ourselves and we were able to share this all with each other. So I have this list here on my computer. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you're seeing me looking over here all the time at this, this is what I'm looking at this list here because I don't want to miss any of these 30 things. I want to make sure that we, we cover them all for you. All right, so besides your salary, these are 30 other things that you can negotiate, and I've kind of grouped them into chunks for you. So the first chunk here is other financial things that would bring you more income besides just your salary being higher. And so the first one is if you are adding additional duties to your contract. Now, they may just offer you a certain thing, but you could ask... If these other positions are available, so a dance captain position, a fight captain position, if it, you know, if that's appropriate for the show, uh, are certain covers and understudies assigned? Could you cover a role or understudy a role? Have the swings been assigned? Could you swing? All of those things i just mentioned, they have pay bumps that you would earn more money on top of whatever that base salary is. So there could be a way for you to add additional duties and therefore earn more money. Second thing is, what about the per diem? Can the per diem be increased? All right, so maybe the salary is set, but how could the per diem be even higher? Or if there's no per diem even included, could you have a per diem added in? So I've been able to do this many times for my contracts, and this works especially well if they're putting you up in, let's say a hotel where there's no kitchen, so you are forced to eat out, that's your only option. So because of that, you could say, hey, you know, I'm being forced to eat out here, So it's going to be more expensive for me than normal when I would be able to cook at home or or do some of my meals at home, at least. Could there be some sort of small per diem added in to help me cover my meal expenses? And like I said, I've had that happen multiple times where it wasn't even offered at all. And I was able to add that in. So just because something's not offered doesn't mean you can't add it in. Just like we talked about with the last item, they might not offer you Dance Captain, but you could ask if that's available and maybe that could be added in. All right. So per diem is the second one. The next thing is rental fees. And so this is something where you can provide something of your own and they would give you an extra bump to rent this from you. So let's say you are doing a show and they're gonna provide you with a car so you have transportation locally while you were there doing the project. But you yourself already own a car. So you could pitch that as an option that you bring your car because that's gonna be cheaper for them than renting from Hertz or Budget or one of these big brands. If they just pay you instead, you know, 100 or 200 bucks a week on top of your salary to rent your car from you, you're saving them money by doing that. And if you're already having to pay your car payment anyway, or your car's already paid off, that's money already being taken care of on your own. So this one or 200 extra dollars that they're giving you, that's just extra money for you, right? You're having to pay for your car regardless, but now you're getting that reimbursed because you're bringing it there and they are paying that for you. Now, Other things that they could rent from you would be your dance shoes, right? If you are, especially in theme parks and um, cruise ships and like events, like one-off gigs, a lot of times they'll ask if you can use your own dance shoes. Well, they could rent those from you so that you would get reimbursed for using your own shoes or accessories or other costume pieces, whatever it may be. Uh, Another option for that is if you play a musical instrument, they could rent that from you. Uh, instead of providing you with a musical instrument. So all of these things under the rental fee categories are great things that you could pitch and that you could provide to get extra money in return. All right, so the next one that we have is royalties. Now, this mainly applies to if you're working on a creative team, if you're someone who works in television or film, or if you're on a cast album, there's royalty payments associated with those or one-time buyouts for your work on that. Those can all be negotiated and you could receive a higher royalty, so it's not your salary that's changing, but later after the fact, once the you know production is making money or the show is making money or whatever it is, they're much more willing to give you money later on. But you do have to negotiate that upfront, but because they're not having to pay for that at the moment and they know that they can pay for that later, they would be maybe more willing to uh, increase your royalty payment compared to increasing your salary. Now, even if you don't fit into those categories, if you're not a creative team member, if you're not on a cast album or you don't do TV and film, let's say like you're just a performer that, you know, is not in those categories, you could still use this as leverage if you're doing some kind of new work. And we see this all the time where people from Broadway shows, whether they were, you know, part of the original production company or they were part of the original Broadway cast, they're getting some sort of royalty payment as a contribution to the show. Like they helped you know, spark ideas for the show or brought lines or things workshopped on them that helped develop the show. And so that is something you can negotiate too. If you're doing a project that you know is going to maybe continue to develop beyond this workshop or the stage that it's at now, that could be something you talk to the producers about or have your agent talk to them about, about having some sort of royalty put into place for you next thing is kind of in par with that, which is usage rights, and that's where the projects get used. And again, this is mainly for creative teams, but it also could be for actors, especially if you are doing something for streaming platforms. It also could be for people that do uh, social media influencing. So if they use it in certain locations versus using it in multiple locations, what is the difference in that pay? And could you negotiate higher usage rights there? Or Could you restrict the usage rights so that they're going to be having to pay you more often because you're only allowing it to be done in fewer places. So anytime they go out of that, they have to pay you extra, right? So you can find the wiggle room within your usage rights. It might not be something apparent to you. For example, let's say you're doing a show for a cruise ship. Well, is that show going to be put onto other ships? Is it going to be lasting for years and years and years? Or is it just for this year? Uh, If you're doing a show for a theme park, if you're creating that kind of a show, How many theme parks is that getting installed at under the umbrella of their brand? How many years is that show going to run at the theme park? Like all these usage rights things, these are ways to increase your pay as well. The next one is upping or increasing the value of an end of contract bonus. So some contracts will give you a bonus like a national tour or uh, theme parks or cruise ships, longer term contracts where they want you to stay because it's cheaper for them to keep you than to have to replace you. And so they'll put some sort of bonus at the end for you to stay now asking for that to be increased is a great thing to do because it shows that you're willing to stay, right? You're not asking for more money now in the salary. You're like, I will wait to get this money because I'm showing you in good faith, I'm going to stay the entire length of this contract. And like we talked about with royalties, you're not getting that money until the project is complete. So. They're going to be making money at that point. So it's easier for them to give you an end of contract bonus rather than giving you the money upfront before they've even started selling tickets for it. Okay. So that's another good one you can use. And the last one that's under this category of receiving extra money would be getting overages if the box office is doing well. Now, this is already built into some contracts like the equity contract for CETA tours, which these are tours where uh, because of the touring costs and the you know technical costs of the show, And the guarantees that all the venues across the country are asking for, uh, which if you're not familiar with that, a guarantee is how much that they have to say the ticket sales are going to be in order for the show to be there. And so that means that if the ticket sales are not that high, then the producer has to cough up the rest of the money to meet that guarantee. So depending on what the guarantees are, it's going to be a big risk for them to take the show on the road. So equity has a CETA contract where you would get a lower than production contract level salary. But if the show does well and is selling well and the producer is meeting the guarantee, then you can split the profits that way. And so it gets you closer to that production uh, contract. But just because you're not on a CETA contract doesn't mean that's the only place this happens, right? Celebrities also ask for this on top of their contracts because their name is bringing people into the box office. Well, even if you're not a celebrity, you can still do this if you are a quote unquote celebrity at the theater you're working for. If if this is a theater that you work at all the time and you're a principal there and you always get good reviews and the people in the community know you and so they come to see you in the show because you're part of it, you could talk to them about, hey, I bring in this audience to you all the time. Or like, let's say it's a recurring show like Christmas Carol and you play Ebenezer Scrooge and you get glowing reviews and maybe even won some awards, but there's always so much press. And once that press comes out, It packs the house, right? And you know this because you've done this year after year. You could start to ask for some of these overages. But even if that's not the case, even if it's a brand new contract, especially right now, a lot of theaters, regional theaters, they feel nervous because they're not selling as well. A lot of their subscription model, which is like their main bread and butter, a lot of those people canceled their subscriptions during the pandemic because there were no shows going on and they haven't come back yet. So the theaters are not getting as high of an audience. So they may want to reduce the salary and offer lower salaries, especially if you've already worked there before, you might come back and it's a lower salary or just from up front, they're going to keep the salary at a certain cap. So if you hear them saying that during your negotiations that, well, we don't have the same audience size as we used to have or whatever it may be, this could be a scenario where like, okay, cool. I understand that. I don't want to stress you out. I don't want to make this a big risk for you. But. If the show does well, like if this particular title resonates with your audience and that gets them to come to see the show, if we get good press and maybe the tide's turning because we're farther away out of the pandemic. So more people are going to come back. Like if the box office does well, can we agree on something where maybe the, you know, there's an extra bonus or the salary goes up from there? Now, you might be having to do this on good faith because you know, with the CETA contract and some of these other things, there's, you know, systems that monitor this where you, you at a, you know, regional theater aren't going to be able to monitor the box office, but you can use your eyes and see, are there people, you know, are we getting 80, 90% capacity? Are we selling out? And likewise, it's a good faith thing, right? You are showing them in good faith. Like I don't want to stress you out. I don't want to make your, you know, you be nervous about hitting the numbers you need to stay afloat to keep the show open. Obviously I want to be employed here and have the show run too but can we have this be a win-win for each other? And if a producer agrees to that, they're probably not gonna you know, screw you over with that because they could just say no. So if they're agreeing to that, they're like, you know what, that is fair. Let's figure this out. And even if they give you less than what is factually evident, you're still ending up having more money than you would have had had you not asked for this. So don't count this out as a strategy, especially if none of these other things we talk about today, this could maybe be the one thing that works for you, right? So now let's switch to a different category. The last one was about receiving additional money. This category is about saving money. And this means you end up having more money in your pocket at the end of the contract, which is the same end result as if you were receiving more money, right? So this is another way to end in the same scenario that you want, which is to have more money at the end of the contract, but you're going from the angle of now saving money. So the first one that we would talk about is union joining fees. If you are joining the union through this show having the producers or the venue cover those fees for you is a huge savings for you, and you would leave with more money in your pocket. Another one is having your local travel covered. So renting the car for you, uh, giving you Uber credits, whatever that transportation is. If that's not already offered in the contract, ask for that. Say, hey, I would like to have this uh, local transportation covered. I've had that happen to me where it's not been offered. I ask for it and I get that covered, and that saves me a ton of money of what I would have had to pay Uh, traveling around while doing the project Uh, same thing with gas money like they might offer you a car but are they covering your gas are they covering all of it are they covering a percentage are you happy with whatever the mileage rate is that they're giving you for that could you increase that so that all of your gas is covered and then you don't have to worry about paying for any gas again you end with more money in your pocket same thing with tolls can they cover any tolls that you incur especially if you're driving in a location where there are a lot of tolls like if you're working in florida and you have to use the sun pass all the time, or you're working somewhere where there's the easy pass in New Jersey and the tri-state area that you're having to use, you know, can they cover some of these tolls for you or all of them? Uh, what about parking fees, especially if you're working in a downtown location, or if your hotel that they've put you up in has parking fees, can these fees be covered so that you're not having to worry about them? Uh, if you're a creative team person and you have to rent out pre pro space, can they cover the pre pro space for you? Can they provide you with the space to do this. Same thing with having an assistant. Can they pay for the assistant so you don't have to pay for them? Some contracts come with a paid assistant, but some do not. Or maybe they just offer you an associate, but not an assistant. And you need both because of the scale of the show, or you at least need to have someone there during the pre-production time. So getting those expenses covered by the employer, by the producer, the venue, whoever it is, that will also save you money. So any of those things under that umbrella, that's going to leave you with more money in your pocket at the end of the day. All right. Now there's another category that we're going to talk about now that doesn't actually save you money per se or or bring more money in per se, but it could increase the amount of money per day you are receiving. And this is better if you are receiving some sort of flat rate fee where they are paying you for a certain time. But if you do some of these other things we're going to talk about here, you're reducing that time, but you're not reducing the pay. So, By default, you are getting actually paid more uh, money throughout the process that you're there. You're receiving more per day in that way, but you're also freeing up your schedule to be doing other projects either before, after, or during that is going to bring you in more money that way. Okay. So the first one is if you start the contract later or leave the contract early. So we're reducing the work window that you would be there now. This could work easily if, like, let's say you are, uh, you know, the choreographer and you know the first day or two of the process, they're going to be learning music or doing dialect work or whatever it may be. Or you are an ensemble member and it's a very principal-heavy show and so there's not much for you to, you know, be catching up on. Or let's say maybe you are a principal and you know that this is a big ensemble show and it's the opposite thing, right? There's all these scenarios where it might be okay for you to come a few days, you know, later and still receive the same amount of pay. And even if it is a weekly pay, you could still negotiate that, even if it's not a flat fee, just be like, hey, is it possible for me to come two days later? And if they say yes and just say, I just want to clarify, that would still be the same weekly pay, right? Or, or whatever, the same overall fee. Just make sure you've, you've uh, verified that. Same thing with leaving early, especially if there's swings or understudies or, or, or whatever that could cover you as, as needed. Um, That's a way that you could also do that. If you have an assistant or an associate and you think like, okay, I really only need them up to this point of the process. So it would save the venue from having to pay for that person even longer, right? Maybe that could be part of your pool of money as well. So just by changing the contract length that way, you might end up having more money per day. And like I said, also freeing up your time where you could be taking these other jobs or at least auditioning for other jobs and getting the next ball rolling. Now, there's also within the contract, you could be asking for it. And this would be in the form of personal days. Now, obviously, if you have like a wedding or a big life event, you probably already have that in your mind. Okay, I'm going to negotiate that that needs to be out. But there's also just personal days where maybe it's your birthday, you know, in the middle of the contract. You would not ask for that normally, but like, you know what, I would like to go back to the city for a couple of days for my birthday and see my partner or my friends or, or just be home or I have a pet that I want to be, you know you know, just see, because I haven't seen them for maybe six weeks at this point. I just want to build in personal days. And if it's a personal day, you don't need to justify it to them. You don't need to explain what it's for, but just say, Hey, I know you can't change the money on this contract. Is it a way that I could get three personal days built in, you know, during this window and you know, see if that will happen for you. Um, if you have another project that you want to be doing in there, right. And, you know, maybe you frame it as a personal day thing that you can, you know, take the time away to go do that. And, take care of those projects, or it could be something you're doing for let's say vocal rest. Like let's say you're a principal and you want to only do seven shows a week out of eight shows a week. And so you'll maybe take a Wednesday matinee off or maybe you'll take Tuesday off. So you get Monday and Tuesday off. So you have like two full days to rest your voice. Right. These kinds of personal days could be, you know, added into the contract. So you're making more money per the time you're working. Now this is also good for if you are someone who has some sort of side hustle, whether you're doing it remotely, or you're doing it in the location that that show takes place, whether that's here in New York or or elsewhere, right? If you have one of these other gigs you do that you would like to have the time to do that, negotiate that in so you could be making money from that as well as making the money from doing this job. So think about that. All these things we've talked about in this category are changing the balance of the work so that you end up either being able to add more things in from outside sources or you're earning more per day here while you were doing the project. All right. Now, the next category that we have are things that are like career benefits. So they're not going to increase the pay. They're not going to change the pay in any way at all, but they are things that would help you get a job easier the next time or get a higher salary the next time. So these are things that are going to increase future pay, even though they're not affecting your pay at the current moment. Okay. So one of those things is getting guaranteed performances. And if you are and understudy or if you cover someone and by the way maybe that does also include extra pay depending on what your contract says but at least you have that now on your resume which makes it easier to get a role like that in the future and again you can snowball a career from there another thing is first right of refusal if the show is going to have you know another performance somewhere else or another run somewhere else or be back again next year or it's a new project and it's going to keep moving forward getting that first right of refusal means you're gonna have continued employment through the show, which means more money in the future for you. Another one is could you have some sort of title bump, right? Title bumps are a great thing. It costs the producer nothing. So, you know, if maybe you're an assistant now, could you bump that up to an associate? Could it go from being the associate to being the tour choreographer or the tour director? That happened to me. I started out as an associate choreographer and then was able to upgrade the title to associate slash tour choreographer. So think about these things. Could it be a co-choreography? Could you be a co-director, co-music director, co-conductor, whatever it is. Think about ways you could increase your title. If you're on a creative team, that would be great for your resume and great to help you get this title again in the future, uh, billing. This is different than title. Billing is, you know, where does your title appear on the marquee? Where does it appear on the title page of the program and You know, this might matter to you. Maybe you want your name to be above the title of the show on that front page of the program or in the marquee, or maybe you wanted to say featured, like you'll see sometimes it'll say like the whole company and underneath they'll say, and featuring that person because you're not a lead role. So you wouldn't be above the title, but you want to be called out as a feature because you have some sort of special cameo or whatever. Um, These are things you can think about from a billing perspective, things that would enhance your involvement in the show that way uh, that would be creatively fulfilling for you. And the last one that's under this same umbrella would be comp tickets. And this is if you want to invite your agent or another producer or a writer or a director or choreographer, someone to see your work, whatever it is you're doing with this project, and you want them to be comped in, you want them to be able to come for free, you could maybe negotiate that in. Or if you want your family to be there, this isn't a career move per se, but comp tickets could fall kind of in any of these categories we've been talking about today where it's money you're not having to pay to have someone you want to have come to the show uh, or money that they don't have to pay to come to the show. So comp tickets are another great thing you could ask for instead of having anything happen with your income. All right. Then we have the last category, and that is what I would consider quality of life improvement. So they're not going to do anything for your career. They're not going to do anything for your wallet or your finances. But just for you as a human being, it's going to make your experience better and so some of these things are already covered by unions some of them are not so just to run down through some of these your own room uh wherever you are staying and your own bathroom is something else because you could maybe get your own room but maybe you're sharing a bathroom with two or three other people well i've certainly asked for in contracts i want to guarantee that not only do i have my own room but i have my own bathroom and i've had that written into my contract so it's definitely something you can ask for uh your own bus seat If you're on a tour, right? You can negotiate that. You can negotiate a specific airline you want to fly. Like if you have a certain loyalty status and you always get bumped up to, you know, a a comfort seat or a premium seat, a first class seat because of your status with that airline, or you're trying to build up status with that airline, you could have that written in your contract that all of your flights have to be with an airline. You could also have it that all of your seats have to be a certain class. Like maybe it needs to be a premium economy or business class. Or you could go the opposite way and say it can't be basic economy. It has to be regular economy or higher because you know with basic economy, you have to pay for your check bags. You can't change where you sit. So you most likely end up in a middle seat, right? So you could say, you know, I want it that I'm not receiving any sort of basic economy ticket. So think about that. Uh, Another thing you could talk about is physical uh, therapy or massage or things are going to keep your body in healthy shape while you are doing The production or the show so get that added in to have some of this physical therapy or massage covered or provided from the venue so that this is a benefit for yourself uh it could be bringing your family right maybe you want to have your partner there or you have a child or just whoever it needs to be out of your family but you want them to be able to live in the housing with you now it probably won't cost the venue anything more to do that if they're getting you an apartment anyway and it's a one-bedroom apartment, and you're just asking to bring your partner. Great, it's not costing them any more money, but it's going to make it a better experience for you having that person there, or having your child there with you, or whoever it may be. And then the last one would be bringing a pet. So, if you don't have to pay for someone to take care of your pet while you're gone, or you just love your pet, it's more of an emotional support animal, and you want that to be with you, get that in your contract because that might change where they house you. Some of the housing might not be pet friendly, or uh, the landlords of those places may not let people have pets in, in those locations. So, you know, see if that's something you can negotiate in. So again, those are just quality of life improvements, but they might make a big difference in your contract, especially if you're feeling like you're sort of settling for the pay and and maybe some of those other criteria, but this would actually make it worthwhile and you feel like I could live like a normal human being. So, you know, yes, I can do the job if these other things are met. So there you go, that is 30 things you can negotiate besides just your salary. And if I've missed anything, if you've been listening to this and you're like, oh, but you're not talking about this, here's something else you could negotiate. Please let me know, I'll add that to the show notes, it will help me, it will help everyone else to know what these things are. So please don't be shy, please let me know if you think I've missed something here. You can just send me a DM on Instagram, again, I'm at Jim Cooney NYC, or you can leave the the thoughts in the comment here below this video. Likewise, if you have any questions about this episode and you want to keep the conversation going, you can leave me a comment here. I respond to each one. Or like I said, you can send me a DM over on Instagram. Also, don't forget to download the free copy of the resource I created for you. That's the cheat sheet of all of these 30 things that we talked about. So you don't forget about them as you are negotiating all of your contracts in the future. And you can download this for free at jimcooney.me forward slash contract dash perks or by clicking the link to it in the show notes for this episode. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. And while you're there, just a reminder to please leave the show a five-star review, especially if you think this podcast will be helpful for someone else. And if you love this episode and you love the show and you wanna help support it, leaving a small tip, even just a dollar or $2, that is so greatly appreciated. It helps me cover the costs of producing the show. And there is a link that you can click on in the show notes that will show you how to do that. And so I thank you so much in advance. Remember, there is no one on the planet who is just like you. Stay true to the gifts you have and who you are. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now, here's a little preview of next week's episode. I will see you then. I feel like I'm not afraid anymore. I think I'm, I, at this point now in my life, There was a time of shame, always feeling apologetic. When I tell artists that I'm working with or dance partners or in the audition room, being like, oh, sorry, sorry, just constantly kind of like having my little bumps and stuff. I'm moving out of that phase and more of it is my power. It is my, what makes you different is what makes you special, you know? And I think that is universal. But for me, I think I'm finally fine not wearing it as a badge of honor.